0: Now time to join our food and drinks reporter, Andrew Dambina, as he interviews Uwe Pachensky, executive chef at Island Shangri-La, on what it's like overseeing all food served at one of Hong Kong's top hotels, and how he's making his mark at Epicurean Institution restaurant Petrus.
1: Hi, my name is Uwe Opocensky. I am the executive chef of the Island Shangri-La here in Hong Kong. Executive chef means that I'm in charge of all food elements which come out of any of the outlets or in, in the rooms wherever you are in the hotel. And my crown jewel is Petrus Restaurant where I spend most of my time at lunch and at dinner. So I've been in Hong Kong now for 15 years and I got into cooking really like through my grandmother and my mother. So in Germany, as I'm German, It's a very big family tradition at Christmas time to bake cookies. So obviously, as a kid, you like your sweet stuff. So you always be either around or under the table. But my parents had a little bit of different view that I should help. And from that point onwards, actually, I never really have looked back. So my career has always been or life has always been around the kitchen as such. And it came to me at a very early age from about like 12, 13. Pretty crystal clear that that's where my career or my my future would lie. My mother went back to work when I was about 11. 12. She was a waitress. So she went basically morning and lunchtime away. So when I came back from school, I had to prepare my own lunch meal. However, there was a time when the microwave came up that shows how old I am. And I was not really a big fan of just putting something in there in the ding ding, as I call it here. So I asked if my mother could show me how I could prepare my lunch me myself. You know, I wanted to mash potatoes. So she showed me how to make mashed potatoes. I think my mum is a great cook. You know, our family meals was always very important. The dining room and kitchen room were combined really in one. And so we always were hanging around there. So I always watched my mum doing it and always was put to help and I didn't really want to wash
0: the dishes. So I left it to my father and my sister. You were doing the fun innovation in the kitchen. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so in the time that you joined the Island Shangri-La Hotel, mm. how, how has your time been divided? Has you say you're overseeing a handful of restaurants there most of it is in Petrus how much of your day are you spending going around all restaurants? Well I'm in every restaurant every day at one point in time at Mm. least once or twice so you've come full cycle in a way because you have worked in hotels before you worked in the Mandarin Oriental Hotel for quite some time where again you had to go around a lot of restaurants but you were known for uh, the crew groom and for uh, the grill Mandarin grill Mm. Um, so this must be second nature to you coming back to this in a way how does it feel to be back into the hospitality area after going off you had your own restaurant I should just explain to the listener yeah. you were then in charge of, uh, of uh, culinary operations at Beef and Liberty restaurant.
1: It feels obviously great I think you know in life you figure out things you're good at and what you prefer to yeah. do. Hotels is more my field and it's actually like a little bit of a returning home because mm. I started my career in Hong Kong at the Aberdeen Marina Club oh. which is managed by shangri la So from that point of it it's a full circle actually coming back home as the owner that said thing? when then when they saw me, so welcome back home. We are embarking on a journey with Shangri-La, and Shangri-La is going to an enhancement. You know, things change over years in mm. hospitality. The industry constantly moves on, innovates. Yeah. If you see in the opening over the last few years in hotels in Hong Kong, you see a change of what mm. is required. You see a change in the dynamics, how travelers come to you, the age group changes and everything else. So, and mm. that what really excites me about the, the vision and the philosophy of what Shangri-La is embarking in now and where they're seeing them themselves and to be part of that evolution I would say that got me really excited and that's the reason why I had no hesitation of going back into the field I think I know pretty well and um, it just feels very comfortable to be back in it but obviously there's there's lots of challenges especially seeing the market at the moment Mm. is riding the ship through some rough seas but you know I mean Hong Kong is an amazing place and it always will be Hong Kong has been down many times but it's never out and Mm. that's the way I like to look at it
0: we're sitting in the iconic Petrus Restaurant. It's a, uh, you know, one of the grand arms of traditional French fine dining. It's been known as that for decades. How did you feel about walking into the rather traditional fine dining room of of Petrus and making your mark on
1: that? Well, I think, again, as as you said before, you know, I've done it before. So, you know, another iconic hotel, very classical in their approach, but again, with a vision of taking it further. What I love, that this restaurant is actually really, really beautiful. It's the best view of Hong Kong. Yeah. And I think like what we can do here is something very interesting. We will be steeped in the tradition of French cooking techniques because whatever you do is, it's based on French cuisine because that's, that's somehow is nature. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is, will be still remain very uh, focused on seasonality, ingredients. And mm. you know, what I'm looking for, what I like to bring into is unique ingredients, experiences and elevate that and have it in a rather simplistic manner that people don't see how much work we're putting behind the surface into it, but let the ingredient shine. So just to give you like a few examples of ingredients. So, you know, we have got a beautiful red prawn from Spain, which we only get 60 to 90 pieces a week. We just wow. grill the heads, keep the rest as raw as we can. On the side, we serve a garum, which is an old way of fermenting, which is invented by the Romans. So we do it in house. We do it in a whiskey barrel. It takes about six, six and a half weeks at wow. 54.8 degrees. So very precise, but it's two ingredients on a plate. So it's a garum, the fermentation and the red prawns another ingredient which I think it's really like a simplicity is a potato so Hokkaido potato which took me actually seven years to get into Hong Kong last year was the first time I actually got to get in here because in Japan everything takes a little bit longer you know I knocked for seven years on Mm. the farmer's door with a bottle of sake I'm actually going back there on the 22nd of February to to see him again that I've got supply again for next year it's all about relationship and I've got an organic farmer in the UK who went to Japan to get some special deer Sika deer from Japan brought it back to Wales in the UK to rare it organic there so that he only has got six carcasses a year which we buy exclusively for this restaurant. That's really what it comes down. It's all about the exclusivity and everything else.
0: Yeah. I mean I have to say some of these remarkable <laughs> finds that you've made, of course remotely with the internet, these days it's possible to do research from afar. Will you be taking time to uh, go to different regions? Is this built into your working schedule to meet these farmers and to really source this excellent produce from different places around the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I joined, uh, that's a discussion we had, because mm. obviously, there's also like, I think, a point of difference. You know, we also work with a local forager here, where we're going to do something very exciting, actually, in February, where we do a, a restaurant without walls. So I don't want to give too much away. Could you tell us a bit more? Well, uh, <laughs> this has to be the second piece when we see each other again. So I don't want to give too much away, but it's something very, very interesting. So I work with a local forager here. Her background is Chinese medicine. She's Canadian-born. Chinese. she has got this very interesting approach and she was actually discovered by my daughter so I started to work with her about like six seven years ago so she brings us some really unique products very high seasonal mm. for a short period of time we make our own fig tree oil wow. so I learned that from a chef in France how yeah. he makes his own oil so we do this also here so I'm good traveling quite a bit I'm going to India on the 19th mm. it's part work but also part a little bit of research and see what we can find there I'm up in Scotland in April In February I'm in uh, Japan, and it's all about again building relationships. Obviously, you've been a long time in this business, so you know a lot of people, and obviously, you cross the path with some really amazing chefs yeah. uh, alongside. And obviously, then you get access to this stuff. So, like, you know, yeah. we get the same king crab what uh, Rene gets at Noma, really exclusively for us over here. So, again, it's through, a, through my through Rene, I yeah. got that. So, I met this person, and you know, you meet people through yeah. other amazing chefs, and then suppliers also want to know that. The chef respect their product because in yeah. the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you do to it. If you've got an amazing product, apply just a little bit of heat. That's all what we really do to make it shine. And I think that's really the beautiful thing about cooking okay. these days now.
0: That's interesting. Going on from there, is it true, do you think, that the diner for the higher elevated types of uh, restaurants around the world are after exactly what you're saying, which is the ingredients shining not to be over-enhanced or um, too much played with? Yeah.
1: Well, I think you know, I think there's two types of things correct? There's diners who want to be entertained and mm-hmm. there's diners who want to just be wowed, whatever it is. So I think, you know I am st- I try to walk this fine yeah. light rope in between the two because I mm-hmm. know first of all, we want to do here a very much uh, chef's driven service. Mm-hmm. So that means we want to come out and explain to you. Because I think, you know, these days is also like a lot of people want to meet you yeah. and see you what you do mm-hmm. and show your passion. There's still certain amount of playfulness of what we do because I think, you know, it's, it's still we in this day where people have spent too much time on their phone. So mm-hmm. what I want to do I want to take away things from emails and everything else and try to engage with them. If they take a picture, that's great that's where we are live today, but mm. it's all about putting the phone down and just have a laugh if you get a plate. You yeah. know, get different yeah. emotions. Yeah. That's yeah. really what it is It's an emotion-driven cuisine A chef, it gives great mm. pleasure if you mm. serve something yeah. which you are proud of and you tell somebody how long it take you to take this blooming potatoes coming all the way from here it's to very here. Interesting. Yeah. So, but you know, that's a beautiful story, correct? It and then people can also like a very humble ingredient mm. and to see like how much that can shine because, you know, the work the other people put in and it's just communication, a yeah. story. And I think for me, that what makes food amazing. And especially if you pay a certain amount of price, I want it to be more than food intake because food intake, there's a lot of restaurants where you go, you eat, you don't think and you're full and then there's, there's two things. But if you want to take some time with your beloved ones or with even with colleagues and you want to spend some quality time, you want to be entertained, be it by music, be it by visuals, being by food so my component is by, by the food to create a difference in yeah. that experience
0: right now it's a difference that's been noted in the uh, short time that you've been here already by the Michelin guide <laughs> to uh, to Hong Kong is that something that you expected uh, so soon? well you know you're always hopeful
1: <laughs> but you never expect you know yeah I mean I think it ha- it has to do that obviously they looked at my previous yeah. restaurant and I made it very very clear yeah. that we would move from A to B the hotel has also been very clear of the changes that would happen I know they came twice soon after we arrived and I think as a shown, as they're seeing that the quality has been there, what they can yeah. be very comfortable of awarding us what we got. And mm. obviously, you know, it's immensely pride, especially with the short time mm. the team had here to adjust to what we brought into here. That's sure. what sometimes doesn't really get highlighted. Like, oh yeah, you know, new chef comes, he got straight away mission star. Mm. Yes, it's us who we got the star in a way, but yeah. we didn't because it's a team effort. These guys have been here for two, three, four, five years and obviously had a certain standard, but yeah. obviously there was a big change when we came in and they embraced this. It shows how amazing the team is here at Island Shangri-La that they are embracing change and took it to the high level because without them we could have not delivered what we wanted to deliver mm. but they went straight away and run with it which is really amazing.
0: It is a beautiful setting and as we have this conversation we are looking at a wraparound view of the harbour for anyone who hasn't been to uh, Petrus before at the top of uh, the Island Shangri-La. I know that it's not in your remit but um What have you heard, if you're able to say, about the possibility of the interior changing?
1: As the hotel goes through a transformation or an enhancement, there are plans for this, but there will be nothing major happen for the next one, one and a half years. There will be things more on the table, which you physically see, but not in the space. For me, that we need to be alongside the Caprices, the Ambers, and everybody else in Hong Kong. We really want to establish ourselves there. And that happens not with the decor, that happens on the plate and the service we give. So that's the first focus we have got We made some changes um, A little bit of our china where We yeah. will change everything Like really on the table We brought a lot of trolleys So a little more Table side service yeah. We also changed slightly The uniforms so far But there will be A further change In the uniforms Because what we want to do Is we want to take away And I have to say It very carefully it's, it's, <laughs> it's nothing Formality or stuffiness As such But we want relaxed And more engaging I'd, I'd want to take away The formalities Because you know We all here for service Our guests But I see our guests More as friends and family, because you're coming to our home. You have to read who's there, correct? You know, and you want to be left yeah. alone? Please, this is your time, it's your space. You you having a space in my area and you dictate what you want to have. There's a lot of debate always, like, mm. you know, about how chefs, how we should react with criticism and everything else. And at the end of the day, I think uh, we're living in a world where we ask for feedback. If you can't process mm. feedback, mm. then you should not be in the service industry. Right. You don't have to take everything seriously, and you don't have to take everything personally. Sometimes you agree, and sometimes you disagree. But that's how life is. Correct. It's all about how you come across and how you criticize whatever there is. No, yeah. I think feedback is always better if you get it verbally than having it over a post because I think you know you can't do anything afterwards. If you have got a problem or you really enjoy it, I think yeah. it's always better to voice it face to face. Then either you can either take the praise or you can take the the negative feedback, and then you can react on it. You know. And you have to see, like, you know, in life, never everything is perfect.
0: How does Petrus reflect global patterns or trends in international fine dining, do you think? Well, I think it
1: has to do pretty much not really like in trends. It has to be depending on chefs. At one point in your life, you find yourself of who you really are and what you stand for. Yeah. And I think over the last two years with my own restaurant, I have found myself much more than I ever was before. Before I was, I think, very heavily influenced by by different things, by different trends, what you mentioned and everything else. And I'm trying not to look that anymore when we look at doing menus. We rather look at ingredients and look at the story behind it yeah. to create a dish. So it's more, it's more about now us as a team and me and myself what I feel is right yeah. and not really taking too much in consideration what other people are mm. doing. You find your way of the influence you had in your life. You just have to find your own voice in your head and my own voice now is what I think what we serve today which is ingredient driven wherever is possible local forage, local sourced as yeah. much as we can in Hong kong of course and also trying to get ourselves excited you know challenging mm. ourselves of what we can do with this and what we can we do with that that's really what it is well,
0: chances are if you and your team are excited then your diners will be as well <laughs> well that's what i certainly hope so 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 far <laughs> yeah. there have been and
1: hopefully will may, long may continue
0: that was fascinating his background that was the executive chef of island shangri-la hotel uvo pachensky and he was talking to tuesday food and drink reporter andrew dembina